1 Peter 1, uh, right after that. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22 and 23. Let's read those out loud together. 22 and 23. Ready? Here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1 and look with me at verse 6 and we'll read down through verse number 9. We'll read these responsively. So we'll read 7 and 9 together. I'll read 6 and 8 by myself. I'll begin in verse 6. We'll begin together in verse 7. The Bible says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation. Verse 7 together. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls." We're going to look at this topic today, unspeakable joy, unspeakable joy. Let's pray together. Lord, would you help us as we look at this topic of joy and how it is to be developed in our lives as Christians and blossom and grow and come to fruition on the tree of life, our tree of life. Lord, the Holy Spirit is to blossom and bloom this. If we will get out of the way and submit to you, uh, this is something you desire to do. And Lord, I look around the world today and I see an absence of joy. Oftentimes I look in the mirror and I see an absence of joy. I look out at our church and at times in different people I see an absence of joy. And joy can be elusive, joy can be tough, but joy is something you've called us to have and even commanded us to have. And so Lord, as we look at the truth in the Bible today, help us Lord to evaluate our hearts and to make changes where you lead. Help us to be totally submissive to your spirit and his leading in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, one at a time, we are looking at the fruits, nine fruits of the spirit found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Remember, some weeks back, we put a picture of the 40 fruit tree up on the screen, or I believe we put that up there and we showed a video about it for sure. But uh, a tree that, that puts out 40 different kinds of fruit. They're all stone fruit, and those branches have been engrafted into that tree. And at different times of the year, that tree is putting out 40 different types of stone fruit. Stone fruit. And God has called us Christians to put out various types of fruit on the tree of our life. How can one tree put out more than one type of fruit? Well, when they're all from the same family, the same fruit family, they can be engrafted in and can blossom and bloom and come forth. And so last week, we looked at love and the importance of love being developed in our life. If you remember, we talked about the steps of love and the and the in the staircase of love and the very first step that we must step up to if we're going to blossom and have the fruit of love uh, evident on our tree we must first love God with all our heart soul mind and strength and then we looked at the second step of loving my family loving my family and uh, how at times that can be difficult because family doesn't always behave that we want the way we want them to Some Sometimes our, our children, our little children misbehave and sometimes our husband or wife can be cantankerous or ornery or stubborn or, 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 or nagging or whatever it would be and they're hard to love. Sometimes you have adult children that want to go their own way and be a prodigal and they can be hard to love. Sometimes your parents are unreasonable and, and, and cantankerous and rude and mean, especially as they age and they can be hard to love. But God has said, love your family the way I have loved you. Continue you ye in my love. We looked at the steps of love and we looked at the very top of the staircase being loving my enemies. Matthew 5, Luke 6, loving my enemies. That can be hard to do, can't it? 
How many of you this week God has worked on you and made it clear to you there is somebody in your life who has made you their enemy that God wants you to learn how to love? How many of you this week God has brought that person to your mind? A few hands here, and you have to buckle down and love them. Our flesh does not want to do that. Our flesh wants to 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 dislike and be mean to people who dislike and are mean to us. We're called to love even our enemies and not act according to the flesh, but act according to the spirit. Now, um, uh, likewise, joy, just like love, true love is absent in the hearts of many people, including Christians. When I say true love, I mean love that is untainted by selfishness. Love that is untainted by sin. Love that does not look out for my best interest before it looks out for your best interest. That love is missing in the world today, is it not? It's also missing in the heart of many Christians. I'll love you if you love me back. I'll be nice to you if you're nice to me, but if you're rude to me, I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to, that I'll be rude to you. You know what? That pastor, he didn't shake my hand on the way out the door. It was four weeks in a row. I think he has a problem with me. He said, people don't say that. Oh, yes, they do. I hear it. All right. I promise I don't have an enemy in this room. As far as I'm concerned toward you, I love all of you. And if I didn't shake your hand, it wasn't because I was trying to miss you or ignore you. Okay, come and shake my hand and I will shake your hand, look you right in the eye and say, hey, I'm glad you're here and mean it with all my heart. All right. Uh, But uh, but love, love that's not selfish, love that's not tainted, love that is real. Now, how about joy? Do you know that there is a true version of love and then there is a false tainted version of love? There is a true version of biblical joy and there is a tainted version of joy that uh, has, has creeps down into our hearts. And I have to tell you that joy is absent in many lives today. You may have inward felicity at times uh, when things are going uh, uh, your way. But what about when things are not going your way? Are you joyous then? Let me ask you a question this morning. How do you feel when you're at odds with your spouse or with your children? Are you filled with joy? All right, I had a fight with my wife. Ha! Boy, my child just let me have it and slammed the door and said he's never coming home. He's 19 years old and I just am beaming ear to ear. This is great! Said nobody ever. How do you feel when um, uh, your your back hurts? Or your nose is clogged and you can't breathe? You ever try to lay in bed and fall asleep and both nostrils are clogged? Good night. Uh, how about when you're hot and you can't cool down? Heat makes people carnal faster than anything. I don't know. Brother uh, Sutton can make a case that cold makes people carnal faster than anything. Living up in the Arctic uh, region there. But heat makes people carnal. I, I had some missionaries I heard preach one time. And they, were the, they were the polar opposites of Brother Sutton. They were missionaries to the Sahara Desert. And uh, lived in a mud brick house in the middle of the Sahara Desert in Africa. And he was saying that uh, there it's so hot and so miserable. He said that his wife had gone to market and all the eggs she had gotten were rotten and most of the potatoes she gotten were no good. And uh, and he walked in about 1230, 1245. And it's like 120 degrees outside. It's like 130 degrees, 140 degrees in the kitchen where the, the oven's on and running. And, and he walks in and he says to his wife, he says, is lunch almost ready? He said, I had to duck as the frying pan came flying over my head. Um, <laughs> Uh, that uh, heat can make us not so joyous. How about when you can't stop coughing or the person in front of you or behind you in church can't stop coughing or when you get sneezed on? Uh, um, uh, uh, you don't maybe stand up and say, I feel joyous. Uh, let me ask you a question this morning. Uh, when you lose your job, are you joyous? How about when something tragic happens in your life? You get the news that your dad just passed or your mom just passed. You get the news that uh, some emergency has happened in your life. Are, are you filled with joy? Now, please hear what I'm about to say. Love is not measured by how you treat others when they are nice to you. Love is measured by how well you treat your enemies. You listening? 
Likewise, joy is not measured by how happy and pleasant you are in the good times, but rather how you respond when times are bad, when times are tough. If you're only joyous when things are going well, and you're not joyous when things are not going well, my friend, you don't have the biblical version of joy. Let's back this up with Scripture. Turn, uh, look back down at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 6. It says there, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness, heaviness through manifold temptation. Ye greatly rejoice while in manifold temptation. Look at verse 7. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, Look here, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. There are seasons in my life, there are seasons in your life where God turns the heat up underneath the kettle of our life and He gets the temperature to a boiling point with the fire He puts underneath us so that the impurities can be brought to the top and skimmed off and we can be a better version of ourselves. And the Bible says that when the fire is turned up hot, and when you are miserable, when it is no fun, you are to step back and say, Lord, I'm rejoicing in you because you are doing a work of purifying my faith. Are you joyous when the fire of temptations and troubles are turned up hot? You say, oh, pastor, that's just one verse. Turn over to James chapter 1 and verse number 2. James should just be two or three pages to the left there in your Bible. James chapter 1 and verse number 2. We find another peculiar verse in the Bible. My brethren. How many here say this morning, say amen? That wasn't real convincing. Let's try that again. If you're saved this morning, say amen. That makes you part of the brethren or the cistern. I think you drink from a cistern, right? A cistern. Okay. Look at James 1 verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse or varied temptations. Um, when uh, you just have one of those weeks where Satan, it just feels like Satan has just unleashed the whole arsenal on you. And he's trying to drop you, drop your Christianity. He, he's, he's trying to get you wrapped up in every possible temptation. The Bible says that when that happens, you're supposed to have joy. Let's look at another passage. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Now, the church of Corinth had become a very self-centered church. And uh, the book of 2 Corinthians is supposed to be a book of reconciliation between Paul and the church he founded in Corinth. And he it begins to point outside of the walls of the church of Corinth to say, look at these other churches. Okay, Look at verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. All right. So speaking, Macedonia is a region much like Connecticut's a state. All right. Uh, look at verse two. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. So here we have some really odd phrases, almost oxymoronic phrases together. Great trial of affliction. You wouldn't expect joy to be next to great trial of affliction. You wouldn't expect joy to be seated right next to deep poverty. So you have a joy sandwich here. You have great trial of affliction on this side of the, of the bun. This bun is named great trial of affliction. The bottom bun is named deep poverty. And right in the center, you find the meat called a... This isn't a... Um, uh, what do you have? You have Oreos. And you have double stuffed Oreos, okay? If this is an Oreo sandwich and one top is, is, is a, a tribal affliction and the bottom part of the Oreo is deep poverty, this is a double stuffed Oreo full of joy. And God says, even when times are rough, 
I want you to be joyous. I want you to rejoice. That's why 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 tells us uh, one of the shortest verses in the Bible. Rejoice evermore. Just a verse later. In everything, give thanks. Two verses later, rather. In everything, give thanks. Everything give thanks. You mean I'm supposed to give thanks and rejoice uh, uh, when I have a fight with my spouse? You're supposed to be in a joyful mood, even when things aren't right at home. You're supposed to be in a joyful mood when you lose your job or you lose your health or, or, or things just aren't going your way. It is the, 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 the joy of Jesus to do that work in your heart. Now, I'm going to tell you something that uh, in my uh, studying and preparing for the sermon today, uh, uh, the Lord took me behind the woodshed and he he gave me what I had coming and he revealed to me in my study of this topic this week and putting in this message together that Pastor Lejeune struggles with being a joyous person. This is an area where the fruit on the tree of my life is just not real strong. I can look at those nine fruits and I can pick out ones that the Lord has really worked to develop and grow on the tree of my life. But joy, and I'm just being candid this morning, joy is not one of them. Joy is not one of them. Now, this, what I'm about to say, is going to really help set the message up today. So please intently listen and and not just hear my words, but understand my words. I am an emotional person. I'm an emotional person. I'm the type of person that if things aren't going just so in my life and uh, uh, things aren't right in my relationships, I will lay in bed and awake at night and I will let it eat me alive. I, I, I can't have, uh, 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 I can't be at ends with my children or my wife and then go to sleep. I, I must work through these things before I go to bed. If, if, if there is a person in my life that I'm not getting along with real well, that seems to be at, at odds with me, especially if they're a Christian, Brother or sister, I will lay awake at night and I will lose sleep over that thing. And and, and the Lord made it clear to me this week that uh, that is not a joyous spirit. You know why that happens is I oftentimes care way too much about what others think about me. How many of you here would say, Pastor, at least at some point in my life, if not right now, I care way, I have, I have cared or care way too much about what other people Think about me. Would you hold up your hand? You know, I felt, I, I felt like I probably wasn't alone with that. Put him back up for a minute. Look around the room. Did you think maybe you were alone with that? Care way too much about what other people think about me. Now, I let the emotional well-being, I let the other people's emotional well-being dictate my emotional well-being. God revealed to me this week that this type of behavior will prohibit the Holy Spirit's fruit of joy from blooming on the tree of my life. Why? My joy should not be found in my wife. My joy should not be found in my children. My joy should not be found in White Oak Baptist Church. My joy should not be found in uh, uh, any sort of of, of relationship I have or habit or hobby I have, my joy should be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ alone. Now, you all know the acronym for joy, don't you? Say it with me. Ready? Jesus, others, you. That's the order, is it not? I don't know who came up with that. That's pretty good. I'd say it's very biblical. Jesus first, others second. You last. Me last. All right? Jesus, others, you. Now, um, here's the truth. I've been married to my wife for 12 years. 12 years we have taken to intertwine our souls together. If I act like a bonehead, as I do sometimes, and I upset her, and she expresses her displeasure with me, it ought to, on some level, bother me. Should it not? If I love somebody dearly and they mistreat me or I mistreat them and I can't get that thing reconciled with them and there's that odd between the two of us, it ought to bother me on some level. Should it not? How many think that it should bother me? Listen, this is the thing that kind of keeps relationships moving down the road. Um, What is the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, right? The second is what? Love your neighbor yourself. You can't love somebody 
without caring what they think about you. You can't do it. It's impossible. If you really are going to love somebody and you're going to open up your heart and you're going to love them, you're going to make yourself vulnerable to them, and, and, and that's just part of how it works. Now, here is the trick. Here is the key. If somebody is at odds with me, or maybe they just had a bad day and, they, and then they intersected with me, and they get my spirit troubled, I am to run to the feet of Jesus and I am to go back to Jesus first, other second, and me last. And I'm to find my joy in a Jesus who never, ever changes. What's Hebrews chapter uh, 13, verse 8 say? It says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means? That means that I can run to a rock, an emotional rock, and I can find my joy in someone who never changes. You know what? I change. And you change. And the world is constantly changing. And people may say here, I don't like change. How many here this morning, raise your hand and say, Pastor Lejeune, I just really don't like change. All right? How many? Can I tell you if your hand's up? You got it tough. Because everything changes. All the time. There's changes at work, there's changes at church, there's changes uh, uh, in, in, uh, in, in the stores, the supermarkets. Uh, some of you, um, uh, you don't like it when they move the ketchup from aisle three to aisle four. You with me? That's enough change to just throw your whole day into a tizzy. A change just happens, and it happens all the time, but Jesus never changes. And when we find our joy primarily in Jesus... And let the, wor- let the winds of the world blow. Let people come and go. Let people treat us how they will. Our joy is in Jesus. And He never changes. I have a lengthy proposition written out this morning, but I'm going to scratch it. I'm just going to ask, make my proposition a simple question. Do you have real joy in your life? Or is your emotional state up and down with the winds of how other people behave? Are you joyous? I mean, really. When things are tough and just the worst happens in your life, is there still the joy of Jesus in your heart? The title of the sermon comes from 1 Peter 1, verse 8, where it says, Joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know what that word unspeakable means? It means left speechless. It means dumbfounded. Where the world looks at you and say. That happened to you and you're still joyous? How is that possible? Now, that is not something that comes natural. That is something that the Holy Spirit develops in your Christian life over the years of being a Christian, if you let Him. If you let Him. Let's look closely at four thoughts this morning as we consider this truth of having unspeakable joy. I encourage you to use the back of your bulletin to take notes. The points will be up on the screen. Write them down, and we're not going to cover every verse that comes up on the screen this morning. Uh, it'll give you plenty of material to go back and study later. Number one in the message this morning is this joy's engine. Joy's engine. You pop, uh, you take an engine out of a car, guess what? It isn't going anywhere. It isn't going anywhere. I have a well at my house. And I have well water in my home. And you know what? There is a motor that pulls that water up from the ground, runs it through a filter, and sends it upstairs to the pipes. So when I sink, I get water. And if that engine isn't working, I don't get water. The engine's important, all right? How many of you in here uh, claim to be some sort of either entry level or advanced mechanic? Raise your hand. All right, a few of you. All right, how many of you here at least know how to find the oil cap in your car? All right, and we'll put you at entry-level mechanic. Um, you need that engine for the car to work. How many of you men are like me that when the car breaks down the side of the road, you pop the hood and you look at the engine like, you, like somehow you're going to fix it? <laughs> and you just stare. Triple A shows up and say, that thing you right there is going, wah, 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 wah. All right? Joy's engine. Now, what is the engine that drives joy inside of us? Let me give you some thoughts this morning. Letter A, notice our time with God. Our time with God. Now, at White Oak Baptist Church, we push relationship with God very hard. There's, listen, you listen this morning? 
if you just look, if you're just looking for religion, there's about 30 churches in this town that will provide you that experience. They'll give you some set of rituals to run through to make you feel good. Send you down the road. We're not about rituals at White Oak Baptist Church. We're about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That means that you treat Jesus like he is your friend. Let's look at some verses this morning. Turn over to Psalm 95 and verse number 2. We're going to be in Psalm for most of the rest of the sermon this morning because the psalmist has just has a whole lot to say about joy. If you're new to church in the Bible, Psalm is in the very middle of the Bible. And if you close your Bible and just open it up toward the middle, you're probably going to be in Psalm. If not, try a couple more times and you'll land there. Psalm chapter 95. Look at verse number 2. Look here. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with song or with song. You know where you find joy? In the presence of God. Turn over to Psalm chapter 43 verse 4. Psalm chapter 43 verse 4. It says, then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Hey, listen, the psalmist is saying here, I'm in a tumultuous time in my life. And I don't feel joyous. I'm going to run to the presence of God and find that joy. But maybe my favorite verse is Psalm, about this is Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalm 16, verse 11. It says there, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence, read it out loud with me here, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Some of you don't know what joy is because you don't spend time with God. Some of you here, it's been a long time since you opened up the pages to the Bible and let God's Word minister to you heart, to your heart. I've had people say, well, I tried reading my Bible for six weeks and I didn't get anything out of it. And I believe I said this on Wednesday night, but it bears repeating again today. You don't necessarily... You don't arrive in six weeks. You don't arrive in six months. Try walking with God for a couple of decades. And come back and tell me that your heart's not filled with joy from just being in the presence of God. There ought to be, I hope you're listening this morning, there ought to be that moment in your time alone where your Bible is open and you're on your knees in prayer, where it just about feels like You've left planet earth and you've entered into the presence of heaven. In that time of great tumult, you get fresh perspective on it, standing in the presence of an awesome God. What is joy's engine? Let the people around you do what they may. Let them behave how they will. Let, let, let the world change the sands of time and, and everything that shifts beneath our feet and people's emotions and the way your boss acts and uh, uh, the way your spouse acts, the way your kids act. Uh, uh, let all that move beneath your feet. You run to the rock of Jesus Christ and you find your joy in Jesus. Let her be our trust in God, our trust in God. Look at Psalm chapter 5 and verse number 11. It says, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Um, It's really easy to um, forget that we're supposed to trust God. It's really easy because we, we think we know it all. And we think we have it all figured out. And we think if I can just 
uh, analyze it long enough and get enough opinions of other people, surely I can work through whatever problems in front of me. And God says, I don't want you to walk by sight. I want you to walk by faith. I want you to put your reliance, your dependence, your weight in me. Some of you remember a few weeks ago, I had Brother Jason stand up here and I had him fall back and I caught him and uh, we used that to talk about he was depending on me to keep him from hitting the deck. He told me later, he said, Pastor, I was for sure you were just going to let me fall. Uh, just to be funny. And I guess they did that in the Marine Corps on him, and they did. They let him hit the deck. And, uh, just, uh, you, just for kicks. But, uh, but, uh, trusting in God. And do you trust in God? You know what I find? Is that when things are really, really, really bad in my life, and things are not going the way I want them to go, and I go to the Lord in prayer, I enter His presence, and I get on my knees, and I say, God, my heart is broken. My heart is hurting. I- I'm, I'm troubled inside, and I don't understand why this happened. Lord, but I trust you. And I know your way is best. I get a few months removed. I get a few years removed. And I turn around and I see the work of God's hand in my life. And I stand up and I put my hands over my head and I say, God, you were working a plan in my life and you're so good. And I'm able to rejoice. Sometimes when you're in the middle of that, it's hard to rejoice. But can I tell you what's happened in my life? is I've had enough things happen that were tumultuous, and I got to the end of it, and I saw how God did amazing work, that now when I get into a tumultuous time, I say, Aha! There is going to be something awesome coming out of this. And I begin to look for it, and I begin to get excited about it. Joy's engine, our time with God. Letter B, we learn to trust God. Letter C, notice, our tie to God. Now, I'm gonna, a whole bunch of verses are up there. We're not going to look at all of them. Uh, turn to Psalm 132, 9 and 16. If you can write quick or pull out your cell phone and take a picture of that and look at it later, uh, do, you can look these verses up later. But Psalm 132, verse 9 and 16. Look there with me. What is our tie to God? How are we tied to God? Well, He's our Creator, but beyond that, if you're saved today, how are you tied to God? Well, I just said it. You've been saved. You've been rescued. Your sins have been washed away. You're tied to God because you are His child. Look at verse number 9 in Psalm 132. It says, it says, Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. Look at verse 16. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints, her saints, her saints shall shout aloud for joy. A neat little thing here. What? Where does the word saint come from? Saint is short for sanctified or sanctification or uh, having those sins forgiven and being made into the image of Christ. A saint is not someone who always lives perfect, but a saint is someone who can look down the road to heaven and know that there's a day coming where they're going to be made perfectly into the image of Christ and sin will be gone and hurt will be gone and all the struggles of life will be gone because we we shall be like Him when we shall see Him as He is. You know what? There are times where my joy is lacking and, and I'm frustrated, I'm upset, and, and, and I, at times I can even get angry. And I go back uh, to my knees and I get in the presence of God and I learn to trust God. And the basis of me trusting God is that I turn back to the cross and I say, Jesus, if you can save me, then there's nothing you can't do for me. Our tie to God. If you ever question whether or not God loves you, just turn around and look at the cross. How in the world could He give up His only begotten Son to die on a tree and become my sin? How could He do that if He didn't love me so much? You're here today and you think nobody loves you or you, you, you think that love is just some mystical thing and there's no real version of it in the world. And I would tell you to look at the cross where the God, the Creator God of this world, looked down at your sorry, sinful soul and He said they deserve hell, but I love them so much I'm going to send my only begotten Son, the one that I love and cherish more than anything in the world. I'm going to send Him to the earth and I'm going to let Him grow up to be a man. And in His perfect state, I'm going to let them drive nails deep into His hands and His feet and I'm going to take the sin of all mankind and I'm going to lay that on him so that God could be killed. You turn back around and you look at that and say, God, how could you ever do that for me? I don't understand how a God so divine could humble himself to love me. I don't understand how he could save a sinner like me. And when my joy is lacking, I run to the presence of God 
and I dwell in his salvation. Number one, joy's engine. Quickly, number two, joy's enemies. Joy's enemies. Turn over with me. Hold your place in Psalm. We'll be right back at it. Turn back over with me to the New Testament to James chapter 5. Notice letter A, Satan's counterfeit. Satan's counterfeit. What is the counterfeit of joy? Well, it's happiness. And Satan wants you to believe that as long as you're happy, everything is okay. James chapter number 5. Boy, I wish I had about another 45 minutes to preach, but I only have about 10 minutes. James chapter 5. I'm delaying because I'm having a hard time getting there. All right, there it is. James 5. Look at verse number 1. Go to now, ye rich men. Weep and howl for your miseries. Thus shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and uh, the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall uh, uh, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. Crieth for the cries of them uh, 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 which have reaped uh, and uh, are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Verse five. Ye have lived in what's that next word? Pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your heart as in a day of slaughter. Satan's counterfeit. You know what it is? It's pursuing happiness. Let me, let me help you understand the difference between happiness and joy as I understand it. Happiness is brought about by external stimuli. Joy is brought about by internal stimuli. Someone said money can't buy happiness. Can I tell you something? Yes, it can. You want to go pay off my mortgage at my house? I'll be smiling ear to ear for a long time. You want to go, um, uh, you want to go out and, uh, you know, look, I, something as simple as this. Angela and I went out to Indiana uh, a few months back and uh, uh, we rendezvous with some friend of ours and, um, or a friend of hers and, uh, uh, this girl who she was friends with in college married a guy who was very successful financially, and he bought himself a Ferrari. And he looked at me and said, you want to go for a ride? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and I climbed in the passenger seat, and, uh, and he went from zero to 60 as fast as a Ferrari can go from zero to 60. And, man, I was smiling like a Cheshire cat, ear to ear. I was so happy. You know what that comes about? From external stimuli. But the truth is, is that happiness is a poor excuse for joy. Happiness can come and it can go. It does. It comes and it goes. And happiness has an end. And then you look for the next thrill to make you happy. And I believe that the problem that a lot of Christians have is that they're not living on joy. They're living on happiness. Satan has sold you a bill of goods that somehow, if I can just get this post... To garner this many likes, then that makes me happy. If somehow my kids can make these grades in school, then I can be proud of my children and I can be happy. If I can just succeed at this level and get this promotion within my job, then that will make me happy. But you know what? You go out today and you move into a mansion in Greenwich, and I promise you that if that's where you're finding your happiness in about six months, you'll be miserable again. Satan's trying to sell you on a bill of lies that somehow happiness can replace joy, and it just can't. Letter B, notice, sin's corruption. Sin's corruption. Psalm 51 uh, at verse 10, and, and you can turn over there. I'm not going to read it, but uh, you can turn over there and, and look at it as I reference it. David here has uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba, and to cover up her pregnancy, he has had her husband killed in war. And so, in essence, he's committed adultery and murder. And um, uh, he went and quickly married Bathsheba to cover up the pregnancy. And uh, in, in his mind, it's all good. No one knows. But what he forgot is that God knew, and God sent his man Nathan into the palace, and Nathan 
tells David a story about uh, a man who had all these ewe lambs. And when he had a visitor come, he went and stole uh, the, uh, the neighbor's lamb who treated that lamb like a pet. And he killed that and he served that up to his guests. And then Nathan puts his finger in David's face and he says, that's you. Thou art the man. David, and God, and God says through Nathan, that baby that is in Bathsheba's womb is going to be born and then it's going to die. David falls on his face and he begins to confess his sin. His sin that had robbed him of his joy. You see, my friend, when you're living in sin, there is no internal joy. You're living in known sin in your life and it's going on and it's there. You can fake like you're joyous. You can fake like you're happy. But when you are all by yourself and you pillow your head at night and there's not any noise other than the crickets or frogs outside and you're staring up at your ceiling, you are miserable inside. Because sin robs joy. Where there is sin, there is no joy. Where there's habitual sin, there is no joy. And I'm going to tell you this morning that David confessed and he said, Restore to me, in verse 12, the joy of thy salvation. He said, Hey, I used to be joyous about the fact that you had saved my soul, but because I have dipped my soul in sin, the joy of, my, of thy salvation, it's gone. Sometimes it's not our sin that robs us of our joy. It's the sin of other people in our lives that rob us of our joy. Sin corrupts and sin tears down and sin hurts. Sometimes we have somebody sin against us and it can be years before we feel like we get our joy back. There's a road to recovery there. Whether it's your sin or the sin of someone else, you need to distance yourself from that. You need to deal with that. You may need counsel to help you get through it. But joy has an enemy, and it's believing that happiness, uh, external stimuli, can replace what only God gives us internally. And it's sin. It's living in sin and looking for that pleasure in sin and learning that that really just robs us of true joy. Number one, joy's engine. Number two, joy's enemies. Number three, joy's endurance. Joy's endurance. I'm going to move quickly here. Notice letter A, it's prerequisites. It's prerequisites. Look at Psalm 61, verse 10 with me. Psalm chapter 61. And verse number 10. There is no 6110. 5110. The 6 is next to the 5 on the keyboard. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Look there, it says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. You know, the only way to find joy again, the only way to have joy endure in your heart is to get on your knees and get right with God. Just come clean. I love what Pastor Mike said a couple of weeks ago when he preached. I'd never heard this said before, and I loved the way he worded it. He said, confession is agreeing with God that your sin is wrong. Isn't that good? God, I come to you, and I agree that what I have been doing is wrong. It is violating your laws. You cannot have your joy back. Joy cannot endure in your life until you get down on your knees and you confess and get right with God. Prerequisites to joy... Hebrews 11.25 tells us that Moses uh, uh, chose the people of Israel instead of enduring the pleasures of sin for a season. You cannot have joy until you're willing to turn your back on what God labels as sin. Letter B, it's power. It's prerequisites. It's power. Psalm 51 again. Look at verse number 12. 51.12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy Free spirit. It's power over sin. It's power over sin. And it's power over sorrow. Look with me at Psalm chapter 30, verse 5. Psalm chapter 30, verse 5. Listen, some of you here today, you've lost your joy because you've just had something very grievous come into your heart. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Can I tell you where our sorrow usually comes from? It, and just to be really broad uh, with it, it comes from crushed expectations. We have these expectations we set in life. I wasn't ever supposed to have serious marriage troubles. I stood there on my wedding day and my marriage is going to be perfect. 
I wasn't supposed to have a child that came down with this debilitating illness. And I wasn't supposed to, whatever it is, these events that have just occurred in my life, God, they didn't fit into my plan. And how dare you put your finger in my plans and stir it up. And Lord, my expectations have been crushed. And the Bible tells us that it makes the heart sick when our expectations aren't met. Look at Psalm chapter 30 with me. And look at verse number five, for his anger endureth but a moment in his favor is life. Look here, weeping may last or may endure for a night, but what? Joy cometh in the morning. Joy cometh in the morning. Can all of you look up here at me this morning? I know many of you in here are carrying some really, really hard hitting, heavy stuff. It's hard to be happy, isn't it? It's hard to be joyous when sin, maybe sin from just living in a fallen world, your sin, someone else's sin, but nonetheless the results of sin have popped your visions right between the eyes. It's hard to be joyous, isn't it? We we weep. I've had seasons in my life where I laid in bed and I cried myself to sleep. Things weren't going my way. People in my life were being hurt. I was being hurt. And my friend, I promise you, weeping may endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. You stay the course. That sorrow only endures or lasts for a short time. Joy never ceases. When you get your heart right with God and you say no to sin and you walk with the Lord and you spend time in the presence of the Lord and you dwell on the salvation of the Lord and you make your emotional stability on the Lord, the Bible says joy is going to come in the morning. You say, well, pastor, how will I know when I'm joyous? Number four, notice joy's expression. I'm going to rattle these off quickly and shut the sermon down. Letter A, through singing. Through singing. Psalm 66, 1 and 2, 67, 4, 81, 1 are just a small sample of verses in the book of Psalm that talks about singing when you're joyous. By the way, Christian, the song of the Lord ought to be on your lips regularly. I watch some people stand in church and uh, they stand through the whole song service. And they don't do anything. But you go get in your car and you turn on some worldly song and boy, you're bopping out. If that's you, that's a problem. You need to learn to sing. Yeah, I can't sing. Listen, singing is part of being joyous. And if the song of the Lord is not on your lips, whether you can sing or not, you may not be able to sing a special music in church, but you can sing in the pew, you can sing in the shower, you can sing in the car. Bless God, just roll your windows up. But sing. Sing the song of the Lord. How do? How will you know... When you have a joy in your heart, boy, there's just a natural song that comes across your lips. Let her be through shouting, through shouting. Psalm 32, 11, Psalm 35, 27. Again, Psalm 132, 9 and 16 are just a small sample of verses in the Bible that talk about shouting for joy. I think about the book of Ezra when they rebuilt the temple the second time and there was a group who was crying because they remember the first temple and the younger generation that you could hear them miles away shouting out of excitement about the temple being built. Hey, if there's one critique I have of independent fundamental Baptist churches in New England is that y'all are dead. Somebody says something good and you sit there and go, mm. I want to say amen, but... uh. Hey, you know what? If something good said from behind the pulpit, it's okay to say amen. You can open up and say amen a little bit. Hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with even standing up, waving your hand and say, Glory to God! Brother Risto, you want to show us how that's done? Amen! Now listen, the Pentecostals seem to have a corner on emotion, and they take things... And again, I'm painting with a broad brush. I'm sure there aren't there are Pentecostal churches that don't. But the majority of them take it way too far. Okay? You got your emotions from the Lord. We don't let our emotions lead us. But when truth moves, uh, the, the, the locomotive of truth moves, the emotion, the, 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 the car of emotion, car of emotion can come right on behind. And when you hear something really good, you just stand up, wave your hand and say, Amen, preacher, that's good. That comes from a heart. 
joyous. You say, well, that's not my style. Then just sit there, get a big smile on your face, and just shake your head up and down. Letter C, through sacrifice, through sacrifice. Psalm 27, verse 6, talks about bringing a sacrifice of thanksgiving and doing so in a way that's joyous. Sometimes it's good to go to God, I'm going to bring this up in my life for a time, show you how thankful I am. You know what? There's nothing wrong with shutting down Instagram for 30 days. To say to God, Lord, instead of, you know, endlessly scrolling and looking at people's pictures or Facebook posts, I'm going to take that time and I'm just going to praise you out of a heart of joy. You know what? Instead of eating, I'm not going to get on my knees and just fast when a big problem comes into my life. I'm going to skip a meal here and there and I'm going to go get by myself and I'm just going to sing and shout and praise and show God how joyous I am. Making that sacrifice and giving something up for the Lord. In the Old Testament, they had peace offerings. And all the peace offering was is when someone's heart was full and overflowing with joy, they would go and they would offer a, 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 a sacrifice of, of joy and thanksgiving to the Lord. Letter D, notice lastly, joy is expressed through service. Through service. Psalm 100 verses 1 and 2 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. We have a policy at our church. And I want to finish with this. Give me the pulpit mic. This is dropping out on me. The policy is this. If you're serving in a ministry and over a long period of time, you find it to be drudgery, you find it to be work, you don't find any joy in it, then you need to stop serving in that ministry. I don't want you singing in the choir if you're going, oh, I've got to go sing in the choir again. I don't want you going in the nursery if your attitude is, I'm going to have to change how many diapers this week? I don't want you to usher if your attitude is, they ask me every week to usher. Listen, if that's your spirit, you need to sit on the pew and you need to get your joy back and then serve with joy. Serve with joy. And sometimes it isn't a matter of just quitting every time your spirit gets out of line. It's getting on your knees and getting your spirit right and continuing to serve. But if you're in a ministry where you can't be joyous, I don't care if there isn't a single soul in the church that can replace you. You need to stop. And we'll figure it out. God will provide. Christian, have you lost your joy this morning? Are you in that spirit of sorrow? Can I promise you that if you will run back and spend ample time with the Lord, you'll trust God and you'll go back to that tie you have with God on your salvation. Boy, that'll be the engine that will drive your singing and your shouting and your sacrificing and your service to Him. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Lord, would you take the sermon and help somebody mightily today? Somebody came into the church this morning Lacking joy because of sin. Somebody came into church this day lacking joy because of sorrow. And Lord, would you help them to run to your presence. Spend ample time there. And Lord, give them their song back. I think of Paul and Silas who were thrown in jail. And instead of licking their wounds and complaining, they sang and they prayed. Sometimes we sing when we don't feel like singing. And we shout when we don't feel like shouting. And we sacrifice when we don't feel like sacrificing and we serve when we don't feel like serving. And Lord, in our effort to be joyous, you give us our joy anew. And so, Lord, we pray, God, that you would help the fruit of joy to be developed on the tree of our life and to bloom forth abundantly. In Jesus name. Amen. Let's stand to our